Welcome to the Frontline Conversations podcast, a platform that discusses issues around public policy and current affairs. We can't wait to share insights that matter to you. Are you ready to have the conversation? This is Frontline Conversations. Good morning uh, to our viewers. Good morning to everybody who might be listening to us right now. Um, my name is Zamoga Kasomchaba from uh, Frontline Africa Advisory. This is a series of our Frontline Conversations uh, in which uh, we seek to inform our viewers uh, of public policy issues, regulatory issues, and political issues uh, in, in the country. And today we've got a very special guest, and that is Ms. Nongabam Shauli who is the national convener of the ANC National Youth Task Team. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you, Ms. Mshauli. Uh, welcome to Frontline Conversations. Good morning. Good morning, Zamo. Um, thank you very much uh, for having me. And good morning to the team at Frontline and all your viewers and listeners. Thank you very much for having us. We're very excited to be here this morning. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm not alone. Uh, as you just said, I'm with uh, my team, uh, members of my team, uh, uh, Ms. Lelona Esibe, who is a public policy researcher at Frontline, and uh, Ms. Pearl Mzube, uh, who is a, a senior state, stakeholder relations consultant. Uh, I think it's uh, natural that when we start a conversation of this nature, we just uh, uh, throw our eyes back into history a little bit. Um, the ANC Youth League has been experiencing problems over the recent period, something that resulted in, the, in, in its disbandment and the establishment of a national task team. Um, now, a very, I think, a relevant question at this point is, is the ANC Youth League still relevant in today's South Africa? I think the ANC click is still very relevant um, in, in today's South Africa. In fact, um, with all of its weaknesses that you've mentioned, um, it is my view that the ASU League is actually still, with all of its weaknesses, still the most vibrant youth formation of a political party in South Africa. Um, um, I mean, if you look at other youth formations of other political parties, um, the ANC Youth League is still the most recognizable out of all of them. Um, and it's still, I think, for me, the most relevant out of all of them. If you look at just this past week, um, with the State of the Nation address, for an example, um, it was only the Youth League out of political youth formations that actually had a view on SONA before SONA through the letter that we issued and after SONA through the reactions that we've made. And I'm just making an example of this past week. Um, I do think that um, for as long as the mother body is the governing party and for the, as long as the mother body um, is um, uh, in existence, um, the Youth League will forever be relevant. Um, and its revival is most, even more so important right now, um, given the state of the movement generally. Um, we know the state of the mother body. We know the troubles that the Youth League itself has gone through. We know the troubles that uh, various other formations have gone through within the, the broader Congress movement. And I think that the revival of the Youth League um, in the current environment or this current epoch that we find ourselves in is actually um, paramount um, for the renewal and revival of the ANC itself. Without the Youth League, um, there is no ANC because the Youth League is a preparatory school for the ANC. Um, so without the people who are prepared to take over, you know, the ANC, there is no ANC. And, and without the revival of the Youth League, I do believe that the ANC um, would, would not survive. So, so I think the youth league is, is still very relevant. Um, of course, we've had we've had our challenges, um, and which is why we are now trying to 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 to, to we are in the process rather 
of rebuilding and reviving uh, the organization. Uh, what we've said as a task team is that um, we, we, we coined our political program of action um, under the five R's. We said um, our program of action as this task team must do five things we must we must rebuild the, the movement we must revive it we must renew it we must reimagine it and we must reposition it and i want to speak about this last point which is repositioning which is linked to the point that you make um insofar as how do we make the youth league appealing to a young person in 2022 um because of course, you know, um, if there's one thing that's 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 constant, it's change, and and we can't expect a young person who, you know, uh, we can't expect the same youth league that would have appealed to your generation to appeal to a young person <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> So, 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 how do you make the organization appealing? How do you make it attractive? You know, how do you? Uh, I mean, for an example, in 2022, chances of getting a young person reading a political discussion document that is 50 pages are quite slim. You know, how do you take that same content um, and translate it into a podcast, for an example? You know, how do you take the same content and translate it into a TikTok video? You know, those kinds of things. So that's the other things that we are trying to say to say. How do we make this the organization with the same objectives packaged, reimagined, and repositioned differently to appeal to a young person in 2022? And that's the work that we are that's currently underway. It hasn't been easy, not gonna lie, but um, we're trying, we're doing our best. Okay, no, thanks. We will still come back to the preparatory work towards the, the, the conference in March, if it's still taking place in March. But you mentioned something very important. I mean, we have heard about the, the ANC being a preparatory, ANC league rather, being a preparatory school for the ANC. Now, that speaks to a whole range of issues, uh, chief among them, the character of the ANC Youth League. Um, it has historically been known to be radical, to be the intellectual vanguard of the ANC. If you look at the, the young, um, uh, leaders uh, that uh, established the youth league in the in the in the 1940s, uh, they were intellectuals, so they regarded themselves as the intellectual hub. Um, so, how would you how would you describe the character of the ANC youth league in 2022? I think that the ANC youth league has always, as you correctly state, since its formation been an organization that sought to breathe new life into the ANC mm. through new ideas, uh, through innovation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think what has happened, um, especially under the democratic dispensation um, and more so in the last uh, couple of years before the, the disbandments and the expulsions and things like that, we also had a youth league that started um, becoming heavily embroiled in divisions in the ANC, right? Mm. So whereas previously you would have had a youth league that would really determine the politics of the ANC, it became a youth league that also um, became sort of um, uh, something that's up for grabs for whatever faction that wants to emerge in whatever particular conference. And I think that's some of the things that led to the demise um, of of the of the of the youth league. I mean, for an example, if you remember the twenty, the two thousand eight era, uh, you know, where the youth league was used as 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 an organization that, or as 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 a formation that um, that was really at the forefront of ousting then President Mbeki. You know, I mean, um, you had the president of the youth league standing on podiums. Uh, saying that present and making a score and all of those things, you know, um, and I think that post that, <laughs> and it's interesting, you know, that um, after that era, um, where the youth league was at the forefront of a campaign for a particular individual to take over, uh, four or five years down the line, it was that same leadership that actually expelled them, you know, um, and suspended some of the people. So I do think that that where we are right now, um, you have a youth league that, because post this expulsion, post the expulsion, 
Um, you had the various task teams. There was the, the, the task team that was led by Umzwandile Masina. Um, and then you had um, the NEC that was elected. Oh, then you had another task team of, of Abu Comrade Natim Tetwa. Yes. Then you had um, Abu Colin Mayine that came in and they were disbanded. Then you had another task team of Abu Comrade Tandi. And then it mm. was us. Um, and, and during this period, which is uh, basically from about 2013, 2014, up until now, um, you really had a, a situation whereby young people not afforded an opportunity to really be inculcated in politics of the movement, you know, because of the political and organizational instability. So you actually had a whole, I can even call it a generation of young people. I mean, if you think 2014 was how many years ago, um, up until now, uh, who've actually gone through their youth you know, they've gone through their youth without actually having been inculcated in, in politics um, of, of the movement. So where you are right now is you have a youth formation that there's some semblance of its, its you know, historic existence. Um, there's also then just no organization. Uh, in the context of, I mean, when we came, there were no branches that were, you know, functional or that were constitutional. All the structures were not, uh, you know, in good standing. You really just had nothing, you know, and we basically started from scratch. Um, and what we are trying to build, um, we are trying to build a youth league that its character is one that provides strategic and political, you know, interventions into um the, the 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 direction that the movement is taking um part of that for me which is quite important is how do we go back to the values of the movement you know when we say that the anc i mean if you look at the aims and objectives of the anc and the youth league as well in the constitution of the aims and the constitution of the youth league it speaks about as an africa that is non-racial non-sexist united prosperous and democratic um, and those are the underlying values for our existence um, and for me for both organizations that's where we have to take it back to because what you have right now is you have you have a shell mm -hmm. um, uh, and when you look inside the shell there's actually it's actually quite empty you know uh, on the outside it still looks like it's intact but when you actually look at the inside um you actually then realize that actually there's nothing here and but there's also that's also benefit in that there's an opportunity in that because then it means that you actually which is what we've done it means that you start building from scratch um you know and it also allows you that opportunity to do that mm -hmm. no thanks uh, uh, um before my colleagues beat me up for uh mono, seemingly monopolizing the space i'm just going to ask one question and um i will uh, allow them to come in that's a very quick one on the issue of um, ideology uh, again we are talking about the anc link being a preparatory school for the anc the anc is a broad church uh, as you uh, normally characterize it does the ANC League have an ideology? And I'm thinking if you, if, if, if you um, may reflect on this issue. Uh, during the SONA debate, uh, and a, deba a, a debate arose uh, around the nexus between the state and the market. Um, some people were saying, but do we really need to debate issues of ideology? Uh, or, you know, we just move on. With, with issues of service delivery, et cetera, et cetera. Does the ANC League think that ideology is important and uh, if, it, if it does what ideology is it pursuing in 2022 the the anc as i said um that the anc's uh, constitution as well as the constitution of the youth league speaks about um as an africa that is non-racial non-sexist united prosperous and democratic right um, as as and that comes from the Freedom Charter first and foremost, right? Um, and um, and that's what we characterize in political speak as a national democratic society. Um, and that national democratic society um, is the end goal of what we also characterize in political. And, and the reason I'm saying political speak is because it's 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 the lexicon that we use in the movement, which yeah. is. 
um, the, the National Democratic Revolution, right? Um, which is the ideological path that the ANC and the ANC, you think in the Congress movement as a whole has taken. Yeah. Uh, so when we say that we are in a national democratic revolution, which is the ideological path that we've taken, it is one that once it is it is one that we are striving to get to a national democratic society. And what is a national democratic society? Is that which which is non-racial, it is non-sexist, it is united, it is prosperous, and it's democratic. So that is the broad political, you know, sort of ideology that, that the ANC and the, the Congress movement as a whole um, finds itself under. Now, when you say, and part of that, so for an example, if you say uh, it's a broad church, right? A broad church is exactly that. It means that um, it's a Congress. You know, when you, when you explain what Congress is, a Congress is a formation that encompasses different thoughts, um, you know, um, different schools of thoughts um, into one body. That's what Congress is, mm -hmm. right? So, so if you say national, African National Congress, it is exactly that. Um, it is a body that encompasses different uh, schools of thought. Um, and that is how we would place the ANC. And you can see that throughout, I mean, for an example, um, that the Freedom Charter being, you know, a very, uh, and the adoption of the Freedom Charter being a very um, significant moment in the history of the Congress movement as a whole, and how that has informed our policies, our thinking, and our values over time, and how even that has informed, you know, uh, the constitution of South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, part of that, now coming to your question, um, is is what what the ANC's approach is to to the economy, and the ANC has always said um, that our approach to the economy is a mixed economy. Um, uh, it is a mixed economy wherein there is a mixture of what we do as the state um, and what uh, the role of the private sector is, uh, and what regulatory mechanisms um, are there between the two. Um, so, and, and I think that there's, there's, there's various, and it's actually interesting that in the SONA that became the debate. And I think that the president responded well to say mm. that this is the account of jobs that we've created as government alone. You know, yeah. these are the interventions that we made as government alone into the economy, you know, mm. or into the private sector. And these are the interventions that we are saying the private sector must make. And this is the environment in which we are creating for that. And that's essentially a mixed economy. That's basically what it is, you know. It's just that he didn't say that it was, you know, an approach to, to, to you know, to a mixed economy. And now because he used, he used funny words. And I think that, yeah, I think he used a bit of funny words, which is why the opposition parties, you know, as expected, jumped on it. But essentially what, what was being said within context was essentially a mixed economy where you have a mixture of various interventions from the state and the private sector insofar as, insofar as your, your approach to, 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 to economic growth is concerned. And, and that's really what it was. Um, but I do think that, look, we've always also said that we as a movement um, are also, and this is part of the broader alliance that we have with the party and, um, and, 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 and Kusatu, you know? We've also said that our approach or our mixed economy approach is also, or must also be to the benefit of the poor and the working class, right? Mm -hmm. um, primarily, you know, uh, particularly in order for us to address the three questions that we always speak about, which is the national question, which is the race question, mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the, the, the gender question, mm -hmm. and thirdly, the class question. Mm -hmm. Ah, see, so you know that, you know these things. <laughs> yes, the three interrelated contradictions. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think you must actually give a lecture on the NTR. <laughs> <laughs> So, 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 and, and I think that's, that's an important component of, mm. of, 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 of the debate to say that our approach to a mixed economy must be always to respond to those three questions. 
-hmm. How do you bring about racial equality? How do you bring about gender equality? How do you bring about class equality? And those are the underpinning or underlying um, values or uh, the, yeah, questions that, that we must address at all material times. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I think at some point uh, we may have to have a conversation about uh, this issue of ideology. I'm, 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 I, I like it very much. But anyway, <laughs> uh, let me keep quiet for now and allow my colleagues to come. Yes, yes, we'll not allow you to monopolize this process. <laughs> so we're taking over. <laughs> um, okay. So my question, I'm interested in knowing a bit more about the relationship that the Youth League now enjoys with the ANC, especially within the post-apartheid context. So we'd obviously know that way back when, um, the ANC Youth League had a really great influence in the direction that was taken by uh, the, the, the broader party, rather, um, in calling for it to be you know, more militant, more radical. Um, yes, so um, now I just want to get a clearer picture of how the ANC Youth League sees itself, you know, as a force of influence within the ANC right now. Um, what is the relationship between the ANC Youth League and the broader party? Um, and I think I'd like for you to answer that, you know, by taking me through the successive leaders. So from uh, former President uh, Mandela up until um, the current president, uh, President Ramaphosa. So what is the relationship and, you know, is there uh, any influence that is exerted in any way? What is it in, in what way, Jay, what is the relationship? Yeah. So I think firstly, we need to understand that primarily the, and I always say this to people, that primarily the Youth League is a league of the ANC. So mm -hmm. it's unlike COSATU, which is an alliance partner, right? And I'm saying, that, that that first is important to understand. Um, uh, so I, I remember someone, uh, we were in a meeting um, um, last weekend and we were discussing, uh, there was a hot and heated debate around the issue of step aside, you know? And someone was like, yeah, well, it's policy of the ANC, it's not policy of the Youth League. I'm like, policies of the ANC are policies of the Youth League, you know? Um, you don't say that, oh, that's an ANC policy, it's not a Youth League policy, you know? If it's an ANC mm. policy, it's Youth League policy. So you might not have discussed it as the Youth League, but by virtue of it being an ANC policy, it's a Youth League policy, you know? Um, mm. But but an important component of that as well is the fact that the Youth League is autonomous, you know? Um, and I think there's, there's an important correlation between what autonomy is and what independent is, right? Mm -hmm. So autonomy is that we are an organization that makes our own decisions, you know, we have our own constitution, our own political direction, et cetera, et cetera. Um, independence means that we are completely removed um, from what the ANC does, what it says, nothing that applies to the ANC applies to us. You know, um, and that's the, the the difference that we that we always need to 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 look out to. But what is also important um, in what you're saying is that over the years, since even the formation of the re-establishment, remember the youth league was relaunched in South Africa in 1991. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, and since that relaunch of the youth league to where we are right now the question of the autonomy of the youth league has always been an important one you know um because um there is also this view that while you might be autonomous but you must still bend to what we say you know mm. um and that you can't go out of line and you can't um contradict us you know, um, and that's where we differ with the ANC. We differ with the ANC is to in, insofar as, as that is concerned because autonomy means that we can have our own views. Um, autonomy means that we can have our own political discussions and resolutions. Autonomy means that um, we can critique uh, some of the broader policies in the movement, you know, um, it gives us that 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 leeway to to be able to determine and define our own politics as as young people in the ANC. And I think that over the years, the issue of the autonomy of the youth league in relation to the various presidents or leadership, rather, let me not say presidents, leaderships of the ANC, has been a contentious one. 
Um, and it's actually one that led to what was its, later the disbandment and the expulsion of the then leaders in 2012, uh, precisely around this question of autonomy, because that said that, okay, we are autonomous, we can do as we please. And they were like, no, you're not. And in fact, if you're not going to bend to us, we're going to get rid of you. Um, and, and right now, what we said currently is that we must be able to reassert our autonomy as, as this current generation, because um, part of the reason that the Youth League has been successful during the different eras, right, whether it was the Youth League of um, President Lulu Johnson, President Malusi, President uh, Balula, um, Julius, uh, etc., um, has also been because we were able to determine what political interventions we wanted to see in the ANC itself, you know, in terms of how do we influence policies and politics um, of, of the ANC. And I think that in the various eras, uh, the issue of autonomy was always central in the kind of influence that the ANC Youth League had. Um, whether it was in terms of debates around nationalization of mines, whether it was debates around um, um, uh, expropriation of land without compensation, whether it was debates around how the ANC tackled the HIV AIDS question back in the day, whether it was debates around, uh, you know, student funding, you know, uh, early democracy, whether it was debates on the approach in terms of gear as Kisa, the RDP uh, during the time of President Mandela and so on and so forth. The Youth League always had the ability to make decisive interventions with regards to what becomes the political direction that the organization takes. Um, and that influence and ability to do that is born out of it being an autonomous organization, which is why the issue of autonomy is so central um, in the influence that the Youth League has, which is also why the elders then, and I believe that this was true uh, post the Julius era, um, sought, or some of the elders, rather than say some of the elders, um, sought to temper with that autonomy because it meant that for about 20 years or so, the Youth League was so influential in politics of the ANC to the point whereby it even gained the moniker called the Kingmaker. There was a time, uh, you know, the youth was called the Kingmaker. Um, it's also referred to as a 10th province of the ANC. You know, that's how influential the youth League was. Um, it was referred to as the 10th province of the ANC. Um, and, and, and that's why they sought to temper that autonomy. And how is that done? That is done uh, by removing people who, if they don't agree with you or if they become problematic, then they get removed. Um, and then replacing those people with people that will listen to you, you know. Uh, so, for an example, if tomorrow Enongweba um, starts insulting Ramaphosa, then Ramaphosa is like, actually, this one must go. Then, you, you know, Enongweba is replaced by someone who will not insult Ramaphosa and who will sing his praises only. And I'm making that example because it has always been at a point in which there has been tension between the leadership of the Youth League and the leadership of the ANC that certain decisions are made at, at the level of the ANC regarding the future of, of the Youth League. The one thing that I did say was that as part of this thing of independence versus autonomy, we need to also ask um, whether the ANC actually has a right to disband leadership of the Youth League, all right? Um, and this is a question that we want for that matter, to- so, so, And or for that matter, any of the leagues. Uh, oh, any of the leagues, rather, precisely, precisely. Last year, yes. uh, when the NEC disbanded the MKVA, and Colony uh, House and others said that the ANC does not have uh, those powers. So it, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, is it not? Yeah, it, it is, precisely. So that, that's a question that we were saying that, in fact, I'm writing a document um, as part of the conference documents that we are hoping to do, um, to release quite soon on that particular question, you know, what is the relationship of the ANC with its leagues and with the Youth League in particular? Because the Youth League in its constitution is actually a legal entity in its own, right? 
So legally, the Youth League actually stand alone um, in the context that you can sue the Youth League without suing the ANC, you know. Um, if you want to sue the ANC, you don't have to sue the Youth League. You don't sue the, the ANC, you sue the Youth League because the league, the, it's, it's a standalone legal entity. Um, and, and it derives its existence from its own constitution, which establishes it as a legal entity. So on that basis, does the ANC disband a, a, an, an organization that is a standalone legal entity, you know? Um, but also, does the league exist without the ANC? That's another question legally, so, mm. right? So where does the league derive its existence from? Um, and that's where we are right now. And I think that's a question that needs to be answered because if we don't clarify that relationship, if we don't clarify that relationship, um, you, you are going to get to a point whereby when there is a fallout between the leadership of the league and the leadership of, um, of the ANC, how are those questions uh, addressed? Um, and that is something that we are saying we have to discuss and we have to clarify, especially as we are, in fact, the moment that we're in right now um, is the same moment that the ANC found itself in 1991, uh, where it had to re-establish itself uh, in the country. Um, and we are saying as part of us re-establishing ourselves, those are the questions that we need to address uh, to be able to set up shop uh, properly uh, so that you don't find yourself 10 years down the line with a new task team that has to redo everything yet again because of the issue of disbandments. Yes. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much. Now, I just want to ask with your upcoming um, national conference in March, um, I mean, I, I, I assume that's still going to take place in March, right? We, we're working towards March. Yeah. Let me put it in that way. <laughs> tentatively, tentatively oh, yeah. March. <laughs> we, we're working towards, we're working towards that. Let me, let me put it that way. <laughs> okay. No, we'll, we'll take that. Um, so I just want to know what are some of your, you know, key objectives or some of your, um, you know, low hanging fruits in terms of, you know, what, the ANC Youth League wants to achieve, what it wants to accomplish, um, how you are maybe going to cement this process of reinventing yourselves um, as the, the Youth League. Um, I mean, also, what does that mean for your position nationally, um, you know, in the different branches of the ANC Youth League? So one, the most important thing, and, and going back to the previous question, um, the most important thing is, to have an organization that is in existence constitutionally, organizationally, and politically. Because you're not going to have any influence in the ANC, or your influence will be limited, whether in the ANC, in society, or everywhere else, when you don't have legitimate structures. Mm -hmm. Because you need, to, you, need, you need legitimacy first and foremost, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and without legitimacy, then you really have no leg to stand on. So, so with regards to what becomes our influence in the politics of the ANC and of the country, et cetera, et cetera, and what is our primary task right now is to set up legitimate constitutional structures of the Youth League. Um, and, and part of this conference must, that's actually what this conference is about. This conference is about in establishing the youth league again. Remember, we also come from liquidation. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were also liquidated. <laughs> so we need to legally re-establish ourselves. Um, and that is what this conference that we are going to is about, is to legally re-establish the youth league, legally re-establish structures of the youth league, which is your branches, your regions, your provinces, and ultimately your national conference. Um, and what does that mean? It means that constitutionally, you must have branches that are established based on the constitution of the Youth League, um, structures that are established based on the constitution of the Youth League, which is, you know, what the constitutional requirements are in terms of what establishes a branch, which is what we are currently doing. We're currently in the process of establishing those branch structures through what we call annual general meetings or launching of branches. Uh, we are also having branch general meetings where we are, you know, electing delegates to the various conferences of the lower structures and ultimately the national uh, structure that's going to take place, the national conference that's going to Congress is going to take place, um, so that we can primarily establish a legitimate 
structure of the youth league that are constitutionally compliant. Because without that, without, without constitutionality, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there is no organization, there is no youth league, you know, and an organization that does not remain true to its constitution is not an organization, you know. If a constitution says that the youth league is established by doing A, B, and C, and it doesn't do A, B, and C, then it's not an organization, you know, uh, because its founding document prescribes what an organization is. So that's our primary, our primary um interest in going into this conference uh, primarily. How do we re-establish or revive those structures to be legitimate, to be credible, and um, to be constitutional? And the issue of credible, credibility is important uh, because a lot of the times you've had structures that do not have credibility, you know? Um, you have structures that um, are there in name, but not in content, right? So for an example, after you've established these structures, the Youth League has two twin tasks, which is one, to rally young people behind the banner of the ANC, two, well, one, to champion their interests, to champion the interests of young people, and two, to rally them behind the banner of the ANC. That is the reason for the Youth League's existence, to champion the interests of young people in the country and rally them behind the banner of the ANC. Now, those are the two things that all structures of the ANC must do, of the ANC you think must do, uh, because that's your primary political task mm -hmm. as, as, as a league. Um, so beyond establishing these, uh, these structures, um, what those structures must also do, it's those two things, um, uh, which is the twin tasks of, of the youth league. And that's how the revival aspect of it comes in, where you reviving youth activism within your structures, you know. Um, can you say that you are a branch of the youth league when young people in that ward do not even know that you exist, but you are there on paper, right? Mm -hmm. And that is the question of credibility. So how credible are structures of the youth league in the, in the eyes of young people? Um, uh, I was saying to someone, uh, you know, there are people that will tell you that, uh, yeah, I've been a member of the youth league for the past five, 10 years. But if you ask them, how many young people have you assisted just in the last month with whatever problems that they have, they won't be able to answer, you know. So then are you a youth league activist when you, when you can't answer that question, you know, because your, your activism can't just be uh, on paper. So th those are the things for us uh, are very important going into 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 the process that we are going into because the political interventions that we make thereafter will be informed by how we've set ourselves up organizationally you know um so that when we do speak we speak with authority when we do make demands we make demands of authority um when we say we represent the views of young people it must really be that uh, when Nungaba says that young people in South Africa want jobs uh, and they want these kinds of jobs and they want uh, you know, economic transformation in this way, they want these interventions in the economy. It must not be things that I woke up thinking and speaking on behalf of young people. It must really be through interaction with young people on a daily basis around their needs, around their problems, and also championing their interests ultimately through whatever policy pronouncements that we make as a youth league on behalf of young people. So for us, those are the, the primary things that we are saying must be the foundations uh, that we are going to lay in this conference that we are going to. If this conference does not achieve that foundation, then we are going to find ourselves here again in 10, 15 years time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think my next question is um, a question that's actually been on a lot of people's minds and that relates to an intergenerational mix within the ANC. So I know there was a cause for that, uh, many calls for that in the run up to the 2012 conference in Mangong. Um, and I think it's it's still a major issue um, and a major concern for not only ANC members, but you know, people on the outside as well. Um, how, 
how do you think the, the, the NC has fared when it comes to that, achieving an intergenerational mix? I know right now there have also been calls for uh, Comrade Ronald uh, Lomula to raise his hand for leadership um, as deputy president um, in light of the upcoming conference in December. Um, so, so where does the, the, the youth structure stand on that matter? Yeah, those are my questions. Well, I just wanted to, I was actually just checking my phone right now. Okay. You know that, um, you know, Cyril Ramaphosa, when he became SG of the ANC in 1991, mm. was 38. Mm. Um, and Cheryl Carolis in 1994, when she became DSG of the ANC, was 36. Right. Um, Walter Sisulu, uh, when he became, he was SG, I think. Was what? it SG or DP? Yes, he was SG. He was 35 or something, 35 or 34. Um, so I'm just making examples of, um, so the issue of, of generational mix in the leadership of the ANC has actually always been there. Um, since, since, since. I mean, even when you look at uh, Bo, uh, Bo Sol Blaiki, when they led, um, they were in their thirties um, and, and they were leading the ANC, you know, top, top, top position that they, they were, they were quite young. Um, and over time, that culture of generational mix, I think was got eroded. Um, because if you look at the ANC before, a democratization, the issue of generational mix was always there. It was always, the leadership of the ANC was always comprised of a mixture of different generations, including um, having young people leading in key positions. Um, and I'll just make those, the, the few examples that I made right now. So that it had always been, uh, you know, part of, of the culture of the movement. And I think that it is unfortunate, you know, that the very same people who, have benefited from generational mix um, or intergenerational mix rather, let's call it intergenerational mix, um, are currently the ones that have been in the same positions for the past 30, 40 years, you know? Uh, I mean, people who came into the national executive of the ANC in their twenties are still there. Um, and it's interesting because they were beneficiaries of this thing and then now they don't want us to be beneficiaries of it, you know? Um, but, this conference for me must be a, what's the word? This conference for me must be not, not seminal. Um, and it's just for, for lack of a better word that I can't think of right now, but it must be a conference that at least 60% of the national executive must be younger people. Um, um, we must have at least 60% of the national executives, um, the, the national executive must comprise of people who are uh, youth or recent graduates of the youth league um, uh, or relatively younger uh, than, than, than the others. Uh, and for me, if we don't achieve that in this conference, uh, we would have really failed. I think even the top, the top, the top six, I was saying that at least three of the top six must be young people. Um, and at least, you know, three of them must be women, you know? Mm. Uh, people are talking about deputy president. Why are we not talking about women as deputy presidents? Mm. Um, um, if, if we can't, and, and that's my view, you know? Um, we must be talking about the top six for me. I think at least three must be young um, and at least three must be women. And if we are speaking about various positions, I think that it's time that we must look at the issue of, of, of women and especially younger women in those positions. Uh, generally, we, we will be pushing as the youth league um, for young people to come in, whether those young people, you know, uh, are the ones that have already been identified and others. But our principle is that going into this conference, this conference must come out with majority of that NEC 
to be younger people and also to be to be women. This thing of a top six that is five men and one woman for me is completely unacceptable. Um, and it's a trend in the ANC, you know, um, it's, it's completely unacceptable. The ANC says 50-50, you know, uh, no less than 50% uh, woman uh, representation. Yet in the top leadership, you'll find that in the top five or top six, the woman will either be a DSG or a treasurer, never in the top three. Uh, and I think for me, this is also one of the things that this conference must achieve. So we must achieve the affirmation of women leadership, and we must achieve the affirmation of youth leadership. Um, for me, that's important. Also, not just because we are being ageist. It's also because, you know, I always say in the NEC, because they said, yeah, 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 you guys are ageist, you want us to go and what, what, what. And I say like, <laughs> No, they do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. So every time in the NEC, I open my mouth, they're like, we know what you're going to talk about. You're going to say you want young people. I'm like, yeah. So they already know. <laughs> so, um, so, so, I, you know, I, I said once, but it's also in the, in the interest of the ANC to affirm young people. It's not just in the interest of young people. Uh, but it's also in the interest of the ANC to affirm young people. If the ANC wants to live another 110 years, it's not going to live another 110 years with Comrade Silver Ramaphosa, who's 69, Comrade uh, Gwede Mandashe, who's also in his late, I think he's, he's in his late 60s, yeah. uh, all of those comrades who are 70, 70 it's not going to do that. It's not going to live, because they themselves don't have another 110 years, you know, yeah. but we at least have a good 60 years to go, you know. Yeah. So it's also in the interest of the ANC to affirm younger people for its longevity as an organization. Um, and, and so it must be deliberate um, in the affirmation of young people. And, and part of what we must push for, we must push for a youth representation policy. Uh, and some argue that it's a mechanical way of looking at the issue of intergenerational mix. But in the absence, it took the ANC a mechanical way of dealing with the issue of, of gender representation. It was only when the ANC wrote it down to say that no less than 50% of women must be elected in structures that it became a reality. Why can't the same happen with the issue of youth? Um, because we, we've seen it happen. We've seen the issue of quotas um, uh, having a real positive impact. So why can't the issue of youth representation be written in policy so that you ensure that it's adhered to by all structures of the organization. Mm, good point. Um, I can see that in terms of our time, we are sitting at exactly an hour. Uh, how much time do you still have available? I think there's maybe one or two critical questions that we cannot end this conversation without asking. Uh, just two. <laughs> Please, okay, uh, okay, it's fine. You can, you can, you can shoot. I'm just trying to tell my next appointment that I'll be a bit late. I was supposed to be somewhere at nine thirty, and I still haven't oh. even showered, so I still oh, need yeah. to shower. Oh, you, you, you're not alone in that one. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you can go for it, Lelona. Uh, uh, is it you? Yes, yes, it's me, Mr. S. Okay, so I'll just make this one quick. Um, you know, there've there've been a lot of calls to, you know, for stability um and for the continuity of uh the ANC as a general structure. I mean, you just touched on it now um in the previous question. So in light of that, um, you know, there've been many calls and support for um the current president Usura Maposa to get a second term. Now, where does the Youth League stand on this? Are you supporting this? Um, are you going to be throwing your weight behind the current president? Um, if so, why? Or if not, why not? The, the Youth League hasn't discussed the issue of leadership of the ANC yet. Um, so as I said in my, in my previous answer, what we, which is why I didn't answer the specific name you asked me, because we haven't actually discussed names. Okay. Um, there are broad principles that we are pushing for and those are the principles that are outlined around the affirmation of, 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 of youth leadership. Um, we haven't discussed names yet um, and I think that is a discussion that we will have which is why it's also important for the youth conference to take place so that we can have legitimacy 
structurally to be able to have uh, such conversations and make a and resolve on where do we stand in terms of the leadership question of the ANC uh, leading up to its next conference. So we're not there yet. Uh, it is something that we will be discussing when we do get to our conference and we will then pronounce um, in, 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 um, uh, in, in due course on what our position is. Okay, no, that, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. Okay, and then our last question to end off this really beautiful, insightful conversation mm -hmm. is being a young leader, being a woman leader yourself, I know you've spoken to uh, the importance of um, having that representation, young people, of having women uh, standing up for leadership positions. If you are now called up, but yes, we want our comrade to lead us as our president. <laughs> what would your response be? <laughs> My response would be let's let's see what the nomination forms say first. I think I think that's a question I'll answer. <laughs> I think that's a question I'll answer when they say, uh, comrade Dangaba, you've been nominated for X, Y, and Z. And I, then I'll say yes or no. And when the when the question is answered, uh, ask. <laughs> At the time of nomination, I'll answer that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Thank you very much, Nengoba. Uh, uh, we have unfortunately come to the end of this very exciting conversation. We had initially budgeted an hour. We are four minutes uh, over. Uh, thanks for your uh, um for your kindness in giving us extra four minutes. Uh, certainly there's quite a lot of issues that uh, we would want to discuss with the Youth League, uh, the AMC Youth League, and I'm hoping that post the March conference, if it does take place, and I think you are praying hard, every member of the ANC Youth League, including the yeah. elders in the ANC are praying hard that it does take place. So yeah. we are hoping that we will have a, a, a second round of uh, conversation with you reflecting on what shall have happened. Hopefully it won't be the conference of the bombs that we saw in 2012 in Mangaung, uh, that it will be decent and uh, yeah. But thank you very much. Um, we uh, have come to the end of our uh, conversation. Thanks a lot. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, colleagues. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And I do hope that this will be the first of many conversations that we have. Thank you very much for having us. I really Absolutely. enjoyed it. Of Thanks. Course. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. To keep up to date with public policy and current affairs, follow us on our social media platforms. You can find us on LinkedIn as Frontline Africa Advisory, Twitter, at FAA underscore advisory, Facebook, Frontline Africa Advisory, YouTube, Frontline Conversations, and our website, www.frontlineafrica.co.ca. You don't.